do all right, this. All right, all right, all right. Let's do this. I'm like, ready. Ready, Freddy. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. I'm Kirsten, and we are Mediocre Mediocre Content. Content. I'm kind of sad. This is like the last Women's History Month episode. It is. It is indeed. to a close. Um, But you have some happy news, and I have been waiting for a whole week to hear all about it. (laughs) I could not be able to contain myself waiting. (laughs) Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Um, so last week, Chris and I went on a cruise. Hello. It was a four-day cruise. Mm-hmm. And we went to um, Southern California and Mexico. Beautiful. So mm-hmm. and let me tell you, this <laughs> it's like so comical now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, like, <laughs> this is not, the, we, we did not have, a, this was my first cruise, first of okay. all. And we all did right. not have a positive cruise experience or I didn't have a positive cruise experience perfect and it's not because I got seasick I just want oh. everyone to know I held myself <laughs> together I was okay. gonna say Chris is on boats so he's probably fine <laughs> so let me tell you so neither of us got seasick that's not why we had a bad time and out of 10 we had a bad time because the weather in Southern California right now is oh, garbage oh yeah I True. so we traveled to LA and the temperature was like, when we left, it was like 50 degrees, but I'm like, mm. okay. So, and we kind of looked it up ahead of time and it looked like kind of colder mm. down in like Mexico and Southern California, which I mean, okay, fine. But I, and people, people from regular parts of the country would be like, Blair, <laughs> it is, mm-hmm. it is March. Why are you going on a cruise in March? Well, let me tell you why. Because in Southern California at this time of year, I visited Mm -hmm. Southern California in January and it is always 70 degrees and sunny. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So I, this is not my fault. (laughs) I don't think think anyone's blaming you. (laughs) (laughs) My fault. How dare you? So we get on the ship and we are, let's see. We are unpacked. We're in our little cabin mm, mm-hmm. room, as they call it. Did you have a window? I, we had a balcony. Oh, it so very nice. nice. It was okay. very nice, except for the fact that it was freaking cold. <laughs> what it a was, beautiful time to have a balcony. <laughs> windy and cold. And like one of the things that I wanted to do on this lovely tropical vacation <laughs> mm-hmm. that we're taking. Tropical is, like, in quotations. Sit on the balcony of the cruise ship and watch the ocean go by. As you sip your coffee. Yeah. As, yes. Mm-hmm. And could I do that? No, because it was 50 degrees and windy. <laughs> what a glorious time to be <laughs> alive. Okay. So it's like 5 p.m. We're... <clears throat> um. We're like still trying to like orient ourselves to the ship. We're like looking at all the fun things there are to do and going mm-hmm. through like the itineraries that they have and all that stuff. Fancy. And in the captain comes on uh, in an announcement and is like, "Hey guys, so tomorrow we're supposed to be going to Catalina Island mm-hmm. off the coast of California, and the weather's going to be so shitty that we can't do that." So. <laughs> So we basically spend two full days on the ship 
like trying to figure out what to do and there's like a billion people like not naturally that I there was gonna right, be people yeah. on the ship but it's like spring break for la county Ugh. and so like everyone and their children literally are on this mm-hmm. ship with us mm-hmm. and there's lines for everything 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 is packed nobody's up on like the pool deck area because it's so cold and the hot tubs <laughs> are jam-packed because like you know we can't there's nowhere to go there's nowhere to go there's and there's to go i'm surprised they didn't like pl- like plan some like last minute things to do for guests that were <laughs> like obviously well, and the thing is is like they they could we could tell they were trying to like boost up the like fun the morale, activities yeah. that you can do but i'm kind of like it's only so much yeah there's a there's only so much and everything was packed like we tried to go see like a comedy show and it was standing room only because so many people like they didn't there's there's nothing else to do right and like mm-hmm. i although i knew i like it's my first cruise i didn't realize like how kind of like corny some of it can be oh it, it's insane it's very like <laughs> um like the the cruise director mm-hmm. super cool guy very talented seems like he really knows what he's doing but like oh my god i, I could not it's yeah. so much positivity and so much like it's a little okay, guys so this is what we're gonna do now and i'm just like this is awful too much <laughs> I, like i literally chris and i were calling it like cruise ship purgatory like we were just it is mm-hmm. in cruise ship purgatory for so mm-hmm. long luckily mm-hmm. luckily we were able to make our second stop in ensenada mexico oh nice. which was nice the weather stayed fine for that Mm -hmm. and it wasn't like tropical or like Mm -hmm. lovely but it was fine and we were able to go and see that and do a little shopping I got to have a pina colada out of a pineapple so that was nice nice um but yeah it was just who did you cruise with carnival ah and right Mm. right so (laughs) so Ah. that's the other thing that's the other thing so we I Chris had been on a carnival cruise before like Mm -hmm. with his family and it was like a long time ago and I didn't want to commit to a cruise that was like Mm. you know 10 days or seven days or whatever it's a lot just in in case like I didn't handle the waves or anything well and like trust me Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I started Dramamine like a day before. Yes. And I just like kept on it the whole time. And I did not feel nauseous one time, which, which is great. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But Carnival, yeah. I feel like is not, and it was cheap, right? Like obviously we weren't going right. to spend like a, a ton of money just so that we could, you know, right. like, be sick the whole time. Right. Like, no, obviously. that makes sense. But, it's your first one. That, that makes right. perfect yeah. sense. Right. Right. So yeah, uh, yeah it was not. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I I will say that yeah. um I would be willing to try again because obviously mm-hmm. there are some unforeseen circumstances in terms of like right. the weather and I talked to a lady on the cruise who was like, "Yeah, we took the same cruise in January last year and it was so fun and mm-hmm. like the weather was great and blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Well, this is dumb." Um <laughs> crap. <laughs> so basically like there were some things that we couldn't control that I don't think right. gave cruising a fair shot. Yeah. But I need to take a break for at least a couple of years because <laughs> I am emotionally traumatized by this whole thing. Oh my gosh. I don't even remember. 
I'm trying, I'll have to ask Tyler. I don't even remember what cruise line we took, but there was so much space. There was so many places to be, so many different areas of the ship to be. And even though I unfortunately was sick the entire eight days, um, in general, the ship did not feel cramped. I felt like I could walk forever and not run into a crowd of people. So no. it, I don't think, unless it was just, I don't know. I, I really don't think it was carnival, but, but maybe it will. I don't remember. It was such a long time ago now, but I, I'm glad that you were not sick because that is literally the worst. And it is the worst. we really were like, this was not planned by me at all. This was like planned by his mom at the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> it really was eight days of like H-E double hockey sticks. Oh God. <laughs> like the, the yeah. islands were gorgeous. I don't right. regret looking at the places and being involved right. with the people and the food was amazing. Like that part, 10 mm-hmm. out of 10 recommend. The cruising part <laughs> was, right. and I had the Dramamine patch, so you would yeah. think that that would be enough. I was just sick <laughs> yeah. the whole time. Oh, my uh, God. Did you, I, um, go ahead. Sorry. Did you feel sick after you got off the boat? Because that's what happened to me. No. Well, so I felt like after the same day, so like mm-hmm. we, we, um, Debarked. Mm-hmm. Is that how the term? <laughs> I guess. We got off the boat. We got disembarked. I don't know. All right. So we got off yeah. the boat on a Friday. That rest of the day we spent like driving back up to mm-hmm. Monterey. And it was, let's see. Um, so I definitely had moments where I was like, my Still brain was floating. like catching up yeah. with my ears, you know, like mm-hmm. I, the so equilibrium it felt, yeah kind, yeah it was a little weird yeah but I never I never once felt like I was gonna Sick. vomit yeah yeah that's good that's good yeah felt like we got our sea leg well sea legs in quotations for those who can't see it but I got my sea legs and then I got home and I remember I was unpacking and I was like I am gonna be sick <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I'm on land and I'm gonna be sick. Yeah, and of course, here's Chris the whole time, who's just like <laughs> in the navy and the like optimist does, does like lives on boats for a living and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And he's like, "It's not that bad. This, this is, is actually okay." And I'm like, "Babe, I love you so much, but this is the worst. This coal cabin is bigger than my bunk." <laughs> yeah. Um, <sighs> And yeah. the other thing is, so like you know how they do um like the dining. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was so bad. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, we don't want your two cents. Get out of so, here, seat man. <laughs> so we so you know how you have to do like the group dining? Like you so there's options yeah. for dining, right? So there's like the buffet thing, mm-hmm. and then there's like the specialty restaurants that you have to pay extra for, and then mm-hmm. there's like the dining experience where they match you up with potentially four random people on the oh. boat. That you yeah. So like I didn't we, know that. Okay. Yeah. So there's like the formal dining, which is like they have round tables and mm-hmm. they match you up with two other couples from because there was only two of us like if we had had like a family or something it would have been different but they match us up with two other couples for dinner and like in theory you're -hmm. supposed to eat dinner with these people every night and like socialize and it's like a nice way to like bring the cruise ship together blah 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 sure so we didn't go the first night because we wanted to try one of the restaurants but we went the second night Mm -hmm. and you know we had been like drinking and having a nice little time (laughs) and 
we get to the table and there's one couple is on their honeymoon, both for their second marriages. Oh, and they have four kids between the two oh. of them and they don't drink. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're like, oh, yeah, neither do we. It's fine. We don't drink. It's not us. Us and our two cats have definitely never had a drink at no. all. <laughs> right. And then um, so we're we're in the appetizer and mm-hmm. the, the second couple comes. They like make it to dinner mm-hmm. and they are sick like they <gasps> in like they just got really nauseous and like don't handle boats well Aww. and they're both like smelling like the smelly the salt, stuff yeah. yeah and they don't feel well at all um but they just wanted to like come to um, see yeah. you know try and get a little bit of food or whatever and they seem very nice but they are also they also <sighs> are on their second marriages on their second honeymoon <laughs> and <laughs> also have four kids and chris and i are looking at each other like we have less in common with these people that's what brings like, you together yeah and so then we spend the rest of the time trying to avoid them like on the mm-hmm. boat mm-hmm. and like cuz we don't want to talk to them and so we never go back to dinner after that we like perfect yeah and yeah it's it's what a great time Anyway, it really brought us together as a couple trying to avoid these other couples. These other couples. Oh my God. What a beautiful experience. Well, how about this? I will bite the bullet and I will just, you know, drug myself on Dramamine for months prior. We will do a cruise together to I was better that experience. I really feel like I really feel like the redeeming factors, like the only way that I think I could do this again is a pick yeah. a different cruise line and Absolutely. B, um, and B take another couple mm-hmm. like with us. So, right. Yeah. Because it's yeah. so like, we had a nice time together. And I think if the right. itinerary would have been the same and we would have been able to get off the boat, because mm-hmm. like by far the best day was the day that we got to go to Mexico and like right. look around and see the things and, mm-hmm. you know, but like, yeah. So I think it would have been better for a lot of reasons, but I think sure. those are the two things that I would rather change for the I next agree. one if we and decide to. Honestly, I, I I'm traumatized the other way. I've I spent too much time on the boat, and I think yeah. that's really what screwed me for my first time. So I would also be willing. Like it still makes me anxious because I don't really like being out at sea. But I understand. I, understand. I feel like I was also was a little bit a anxious. little anxious. I was like mm. <laughs> Titanic too. <laughs> I slept so well. I mean, I tell, the, 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 the rocking, rocking of the boat is like, <laughs> I have never slept so good in my life. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. I think honestly, if it was a shorter amount of time for me and then a different cruise line for you, I honestly feel like you'd have a great time. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we'll have to plan that. We were okay. talking about that the whole time. We were like, we need to take Kirsten and Tyler on vacation. Like oh they God. need to come on vacation with us. We are definitely in need of vacation, but well, we'll see. Yeah, obviously. I mean, we'll both think about it this way. We'll both be moving at the same time. It's in well theory. true. We'll we'll discuss that offline actually because oh, yeah, I have okay. things All right. to, to add to All that. Right. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> it's fine it's fine one day we'll have a station together no you're not you're not privy to this confidential information you can't you can't know this stuff (laughs) any hoodle that's awesome all right glad it wasn't too too bad though no it wasn't the worst the most I think it would have been the worst if I would have been nauseous the entire the whole time yes yeah yeah um but I think I think when it's all said and done, it was not the worst it could have no. been. It was just not ideal. 
right. It definitely, there were absolutely room for improvement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so okay. anyway, let's get this show on the road, shall we? <laughs> Longest intro in a long time. I love I it. Know, I know. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't talk for two hours before. No, it's very true. Uh, we really did just jump in because I just wanted to hear it and I felt like it needed to be recorded. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right. So <clears throat> little disclaimer before we get going, Always, as yes. per usual, um, we are not experts on anything. If you have come to this podcast to get any kind of advice, we are not the place for that. Um, but we are the place to learn things, <clears throat> to learn about things you may not have otherwise known about. Mm-hmm. And we encourage you to do your own research and learn along with us. So exciting. <clears throat> Kirsten, take it away. Okay. Good news. Here we go. I also want to preface that as usual, I am who I am. And these are science related pieces of good news as per usual. Kirsten Science Corner. Science. That's what, you know what? We should really just call it the Science Corner. We should. (laughs) Rebrand. Rebranding. Quarter two. Here we go. Um, Okay. So the first one might be a little controversial because I know that there are um, differences in opinion on the use of AI these days. Mm -hmm. Uh, I myself do find some of its uses a little bit uh, unhinged. Um, (laughs) It's, 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 um, it's, it's, unknown territory you know Um, what I mean like it's a little everyone's a little bit like are we sure we want to do this yeah Yeah. I mean we've all seen iRobot so this is this is where (laughs) we are (laughs) you're right anyway um but this does have to do with AI software working in a really brilliant way so recently in Hungary there are early testing results that show that artificial intelligence which is AI has impressive ability to detect signs of breast cancer that may have been missed by doctors, which is huge. Huge. Um, I feel terrible because pronunciation is always uh, the lackluster part of me speaking, but the Chiron Medical Technologies feeds its AI systems millions of mammograms from patients who were diagnosed or who are known to have breast cancer, and as well as images labeled by radiologists to teach the AI how to detect that cancerous growth. Um, as some people may not be aware, this has to do with shapes, locations, cell densities. There's lots of indicators that doctors and radiologists are looking for to try and detect these cancerous masks. By then, what they'll do is create a mathematical representation of what a normal mammogram would look like. And essentially, again, you're teaching this AI system how to detect the difference between something that looks normal and is normal compared to the other abnormalities I just talked about. So in 2022, after testing more than 275,000 breast cancer cases, Chiron said that AI technology can spot the cancer at least as well as doctors at the second reader of scans, Um, as the second reader of scans, pardon me. Uh, Additional testing at the clinic in Hungary found that AI software was able to identify more malignancies, (laughs) to be careful with the pronunciation, Uh, increasing the cancer detection rate by 13%, fantastic. And the technology is meant to be used alongside the doctor and more clinical trials are obviously needed. However, this is fantastic news, even though the technology itself is a little controversial right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like that they're using it alongside Alongside, doctors because although 
this is good for, Mm -hmm. you know, a primary assessment. I feel like it's always good because humans have, you know, a margin for error, but Mm -hmm. also there are things that our bodies do that are maybe not always textbook. So I think it's good to also have a physician look at it. So that's nice. And of course, as the article did denote, depending on ethnicity, your age, what kind of body composition you have, I mean, all of those are particulars to the human. So it sometimes would take a human eye to be able to identify, oh, well, in this region, you may have more or less susceptibility to this. You know, it just depends on all those things that AI can eventually learn, but it's not fail proof. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So good news in the breast cancer research world. (laughs) We love it. We do. Uh, And I also thought it was appropriate for Women's History Month. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Very topical. Um, Yeah. All right. And then my second piece of good news has to do with the ocean. The United Nations uh, have now agreed to take historic this historic treaty um, that is working to protect marine life and biodiversity across all world oceans. So this isn't just one location. This is all oceans. Um, This treaty marks a long-awaited milestone in years of the long-standing effort to safeguard planet seas. And the UN says that the High Seas Treaty, which is what it's actually called, would place 30% of the world's ocean into protected areas, put more money into the conservation of marine life and covers access to and use of marine genetic resources. This treaty would also put limits on fishing, the routes of shipping lanes that are happening, you know, with imports, exports, cruise lines, any of those things, all as well as exploration activities in deep sea mining. The high seas Uh, which is every area that lies about 200 nautical miles beyond a nation's territorial waters are often called the world's last true wilderness. Is this a lot we haven't explored in the ocean? That's just the truth. But what we have explored and what we are trying to save is around that area for sure and outward. And they make up more than 60% of the world's oceans. Uh, The 30% of the high seas that would now be covered is a major jump from the prior legislation, which was from 1982, called the Convention of the Law of the Sea, which protected just 1.2% of oceans. So this is, I know. So you take that 1.2 and we're now jumping to 30%. I mean, that's massive. We love Yeah, We love that. So all in all, great news. Hopefully, um, this does some good and they've got some good plans in place to make it happen and make it viable. Because I know that a lot of the times people always ask, like, you're putting this in place and it's supposed to be good for the planet, which is all well and good. But how does modern society still function? Obviously, if you're inputting, um, you know, new routes that can't be accessed or new routes that have to be, um, you know, adjusted, how does that work, you know, territory wise between the right. country? Like there's a lot of questions and, it, and they're fair questions. So I'm sure they're working those out and making sure that, you know, life pretty much goes on as normal for the rest of us too. Absolutely. That's what yeah, I got. I've been I've been thinking <laughs> about like the depths of the sea recently. And Obviously, you've been in the depths of the sea. I know. Well, yes. Okay. <laughs> Fair. And I didn't, I was very disappointed. And like I understand that like whales don't really hang out like very far out there. Oh but goodness. I was very disappointed that I didn't see a whale or a dolphin or anything. And 
It's very upsetting. Anyway. I'm so sorry. That was like the tagline. And I didn't see a whale the whole time I, I, know. I was out I know. there. But also, we've been watching The Mandalorian and like the new um, season mm-hmm. has like all of these really weird aquatic creatures. I feel like the giant creatures that I'm seeing on The Mandalorian makes mm-hmm. me think about the creatures that we have not yet discovered in the That's ocean. And it kind of trips me out a little bit. Like, obviously, I don't. <laughs> I don't think that anything like any large aquatic mammal right. could survive at the depths mm. of the ocean, but you never know. You never know. That's why we're science babies. That's right. <laughs> oh man. So anyway, okay. to transition. the women. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I have no segues. So here we go. Um, insert clever segue here. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. So today, as you know, by the title, we are talking about Julia Child mm. and I am so excited to talk about her. We Kirsten also wanted to do her. And I then did. we decided she's going to do Mother Earth instead. And <laughs> which I think was still a good which choice. Was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I am super excited to talk about her <clears throat> and you'll see why I um, had a small obsession a while ago. <laughs> But um, anyway, so her original name is Julia Carolyn McWilliams. She was born August 15th, 1912 in Pasadena, California, and passed away on August 13th, <gasps> 2004. I didn't know. She was Isn't so that... close. I know. Isn't that wild? You know, that... that kind of reminds me of everybody putting that article out about the queen and then she passes away. <laughs> I know. God I know. Her. Oh, that's she lived a very long life though. Yeah. And um she did a lot in her yeah. in her career and her life. So she <clears throat> the first we like really know. I mean, she mm-hmm. grew up in Pasadena, California. Um we she graduated from Smith College in 1934 with a Bachelor of Arts. And Smith College for those who may have been listening to our Sweetbriar episode is a really well-renowned all-female college. And back then, like that was the way things were done is like mm-hmm. men went to their own college and then women had like a separate college. But still regardless, it was a really good education that she received, Mm -hmm. which is uncommon for some, for a female in that time. Mm -hmm. And, um, she worked occasionally in advertising. Um, and then in 1942, eager, eager to help the country's war efforts in world war II, Julia is hired as a typist for the U S information agency in Washington, DC. That's amazing. She then, she then transferred to the Office of Strategic Services, the OSS, the forerunner to the CIA. So this was before the CIA was even a thing. <clears throat> yes, I'm listening to you. My okay. mom just tried to FaceTime me. <laughs> I have to tell her we're mom, recording. <laughs> we're doing something I'm here. just going to check on her and make sure she's okay. She, uh, mom, I'm so sorry. She lo- They lost their cat this week. And so it's oh, been a really rough week no. at the house. Yeah. So I... <laughs> Anyway, she just tried to face me, so I'm just checking to make sure everything's okay. <laughs> We're sorry, chicken mom, about the cat. Yes. Anyway, uh, the war. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, the OSS is the forerunner to the IC, the ICA, the CIA, <laughs> the ICA, <laughs> IC. Yeah, yeah. So the CIA doesn't exist at this time. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So then she gets a different job as the first. Uh, a research assistant mm-hmm. in the C 
secret intelligence division and later a re a researcher helping to develop shark repellent, which was a critical tool because sharks would sometimes set off explosives intended for German U-boats. Oh, oh no. That's I so didn't know sad. shark repellent was a thing, but I feel like they should sell it like insect repellent. Just like, <laughs> all no. right. It's sadder that they were exploding. I know. Talk about know. marine biology curious. protection. <laughs> they're curious little you know oh, they're yeah. like let me just touch and then all of a sudden yeah. <laughs> it's like finding Nemo all over again I know oh. so anyway so she worked with the OSS for a while um <clears throat> and let's see so in her book my life in France her memoir um, she says, I was too tall for the WACs and the waves, but eventually joined the OSS and set out into the world looking for adventure. Aww. And she met her husband in the OSS, Paul, Paul. and they got married <laughs> in 1945. So, so. cute. Yes. <laughs> and with his job, is where our story really begins because he got stationed in Paris Oof. for six <laughs> years after the war. Wow. And this is where she attended Le Cordon Bleu, which is a very famous French cooking school so and cool. became the Julia Child we know and love today. I love it so much. <laughs> I know. I know. So, um, <clears throat> She so the funny part is is that in 1949 she officially enrolled and she started in the quote unquote housewife level class mm. and she was like no 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 this is not for me I want to do something more with my life mm -hmm. and so <clears throat> she joined the another class which was the cuisine course for experts and it was a year long program for professional restaurant tours with and the class was exclusively former GIs and there was 11 of them and then one Miss Julia Child. <laughs> she squeaked on him. <laughs> she did. She did. Um, she did have to take the final exam twice. And mm -hmm. in the movie, Julie and Julia, which we'll talk about in a minute, they kind of allude to the fact that mm -hmm. uh, the lady who ran the school did not like her very much. Yeah. Um, so she gave her a really hard like final exam first and then she had to retake it to get her mm -hmm. or li er, license or um certificate yeah 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 and that i cannot confirm or deny that in the <laughs> official julia child website yeah they did not confirm indicate or deny. that yeah but yeah. i mean i feel like that's tea anyway um <clears throat> she and her two french friends simone beck and louise berto in 1951 founded the school of three gourmands, which there's the French like pronunciation for that. Kirsten, you want to give it a try or do you want me to try it? Because I don't I think, think I it's Le Col des Trois Gourmands, if I'm not mistaken, but it has been a very long time. <laughs> I never I took, took French, French. So I, yeah, <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you very Thank much. You. Yeah, of course. Um, and later, the three of them wrote the best selling cookbook, Mastering the Art of French Cooking, Volumes One and Two, which is praised for its clarity and comprehensiveness. And I do own volume one mm -hmm. and it is very comprehensive. Let me tell you. 
I think that's the thing. She simplified everything so much because I feel like she jumped into it and she's like, no, everybody yeah. needs to be able to. <laughs> like, yes. And it's very, things. it's very helpful. Yeah. Like there's a lot of really nice pictures and drawings yeah. and, um, but it's a thick boy. Let me tell uh, well, you. Yeah. She's a got a lot of content. Book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the book, however, like she left Paris mm-hmm. without like publishing the book. Mm-hmm. So they moved back to Cambridge, Massachusetts in 1961, her and her husband, um, Louise, Louisette and Simone stayed in Paris and, um, they continued th- to visit Europe regularly. They had a home in the South of France, which I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> She then, I think it was like nine years after she left Paris that they eventually um, published the book. Nice. But while they were in Boston or like in Cambridge, a promotional appearance on television led to an offer to host a cooking show on Boston's public television station. The French chef premiered in 1962. So I think the book was published in 1961. Mm -hmm. So then with the success of the book, then came the TV show, which you can still watch online. So cute. And it's very cute. Um, Let's see. So 1962. And then um, the, show was on for 206 episodes um it is credited with convincing the american public to try cooking french food at home and with her humor exuberance and unpretentiousness julia became an unlikely star yeah i think that's really the kicker like yeah she's not there to like impress you and like be the best she's literally there just to teach you how to cook <laughs> right and like there are stories of her you know making mistakes in the kitchen and being like it's fine don't worry about it just like keep going the bob ross of cooking it's just right. a happy little accident it's just a happy little accident <laughs> um yeah and by the way this woman is six feet two inches tall she is Huge. a very tall lady and um yeah, she just she's a lovely she she at least comes off as a lovely human being. I think from what I've done in my research for this adorable Absolutely. Meryl Streep does a great job like impersonating her on yes. or like acting as her. I don't know if impersonating is the right word, but on acting, in the movie yeah. with Stanley Tucci. Oh, God. It's, <laughs> They're always movie, so good together. <laughs> that movie is like one of my favorite movies. Yes. It's so good. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's amazing. So because of all this work that she's done, like she's, Mm -hmm. she's done quite a bit. Um, she was the recipient of numerous honors during her career, including a Peabody award in 1964 an Emmy award in 1966 and a national book award in 1980. She was appointed the French Legion of honor in 2000 and received the presidential medal of freedom in 2003. Wow, and a portion of her of her kitchen and some of her kitchen implements were put on the display at the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, which is you can see those there. Mm -hmm. She has written a lot of books too, like Mm. on the Julia Child Foundation website. um, They have all of her books for sale, and there's like a lot I didn't Mm -hmm. realize. Um, So obviously, mastering the art of French cooking, volumes one and two, but then also she has the French Chef Cookbook, which is based on her show. 
And then she published a memoir memoir called My Life in France, which mm. like basically covers those six years that they lived in Paris. So cute. Um, so Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. Um, they have a podcast. It's called Inside Julia's Kitchen. And the foundation uses it to highlight today's food culture. Interesting. I kind of want to check Maybe. into that. That would be cool. They've got like 180 episodes, something like wow. that. Um, okay. A lot. I tried to look to see if there were any like, like people mm-hmm. that you would know right. on like as guests and stuff. And it seems like pretty niche to be okay. honest. It doesn't okay. seem like not surprising. pop culture, you know, yeah. Um, but definitely worth cute. checking out if you're yep. into it. And um, you can also get a award called the Julia Child Award given to you by the foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Julia Child Award is given to any individual or team who has made a profound and significant difference in the way America cooks, eats, and drinks. Do you know anybody who's received this award? Like, is, or is this like a I ring? They have a list. They have <laughs> oh, a list. Okay. <laughs> and it's not any of the celebrity chefs you're thinking oh, of right no. now. Or anyone on the Food Network. So, sorry, sorry about Gordon. It. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, very niche. Very like, niche. You have to be in the restaurant, like, okay, that realm, Interesting. I think, of people to know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um. The foundation presents the annual award in association with the association with the Smithsonian <laughs> National Museum of American History at a gala event in Washington D.C. in the fall. Oh, the gala is a celebration of the recipients' accomplishments and helps raise money to support the support food history programming at the museum. And it features prominent speakers from throughout the national food world. And kicks off the museum's annual Smithsonian Food History Week. That's adorable. I would Indeed. also like to know all of the people who have spoke. I wonder if they are also as niche. <laughs> I, I believe they are. And yeah. you, the prize for the award, like I think you get like a little trophy or something, but then you mm-hmm. also get $50,000 of money donated to your favorite like food charity. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. Aww. Oh, so it's it's lovely. We're we I think we have a lovely person to profile this week. I'm there. She's just the best. She really is. This is very exciting. Um, But I'm ready to talk about the movie, honestly. So can we give them a break? (laughs) Yes, they deserve a break. And we will be right back. Hi, Kirsten. Hi, Blair. Do you have cats? Why? Yes, I do. Then you should play mediocre content for your cats. And why is that? Because it has been shown to soothe cats and reduce hairballs. Really? Yes. In fact, I play mediocre content for my cats too. Mediocre content is for all pets. That's so great to know. I will play mediocre content for my cats right now. You should. Everyone should listen to mediocre content with their pets today. Mediocre content has not been shown to reduce hairballs or soothe any animals of any species. In fact, it's very probable to create the exact opposite effect. Please use caution while exposing your furry friends to mediocre content. It's also pretty dodgy for humans to listen at your own risk. Mediocre content is not responsible for any negative effects of podcast listening. Welcome back. <laughs> That's terrible. I'll never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> this is not like a game show. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> no. Anyway. To Iron Chef. No. I'm just no. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
<laughs> Definitely not. Oh my gosh. I did remember watching a segue talking about the Iron Chef because now you've got me thinking about it. When mm-hmm. I was growing up, I used to watch um, the Japanese version of Iron Chef with Suzanne. Mm. <laughs> and it was, this was like, I think, I don't remember where we, where she was living. Maybe New Jersey. I don't even remember if she listens to these, but uh, I think Bill does. But uh, I'd love to confirm that because I used to lay in her bed and play with her cats and we would watch the Japanese version of Iron Chef. I love that. Mm-hmm. That is family bonding. Masa- Masaharu Morimoto is still the goat. Okay. I, yeah, I've, I know that name. <laughs> I, I know heard that name before. <laughs> He's still the one. Anyway, back to Julia, I guess. <laughs> Julia. Okay, so we're going to talk about the best movie surrounding food <laughs> and having two female leads probably ever. Oh my gosh, um, wait, I have to pause you again. I'm so sorry. Oh no. What's wrong? <laughs> you also made me think of that. <laughs> so recently, like within the last 48 hours, Tyler came across the movie The Menu. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. He thought it was a comedy. And for anyone who doesn't know, it is not a comedy. <laughs> it is a horror movie, essentially, Oh, where this super amazing chef kills a bunch of rich people. So spoiler alert, it's insane. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And you just made me think about it. That's amazing. Okay. Now back to Julia. I love it that our husbands are trying to traumatize us with the movies they make us watch. I need to stop this. It's off. All right. For your last interstellar. Terrible. Oh my God. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just breeze on by it anyway. Oh, okay. All right. <clears throat> best movie so, ever. Julie and Julia. Best yes. movie ever. Um. So the basic plot is julie is played by amy adams so cute she is working in a post 9 11 new york and her job is like pretty mundane and she works in a cubicle and she's listening to people complain all day so like her life is not special Mm -hmm. and the whole premise of the movie for her character is to like overcome this feeling of just awfulness and mm-hmm. make every recipe in the in mastering the art of french cooking cookbook mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she starts a blog about it and becomes basically internet famous mm-hmm. or what was internet famous at the time and then in in sequence with that you see julia's life and mm-hmm. her struggles moving to paris and not knowing what to do and going through um, Le Cordon Bleu and, you know, kind of developing her career. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stanley Tucci plays her husband and it's totally adorable. Iconic duo for the Yes. Work. And, and Julia is played by Meryl Streep, obviously. I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. And it's just, it's, it's everything. And it's very much a, um, it's about that time in your life. Like the underlying mm-hmm. theme, in my opinion, is like, it's about that time in your life where you're kind of like transitioning. You don't yes. know like what you're doing, but you decide to make a change in your life and it like works out for the better and you grow from it. And it's just a beautiful thing. 
Yes. And also the other piece that I like is that they are both in different sections of their life experiencing this transition, like different times in their life, like not the same age, not the same experience. And also, if I'm not mistaken, they both kind of go through like relationship, like especially Julie, she goes through like this whole relationship awakening with her I don't know if he was just a boyfriend or a fiance at the time, but he's husband, he's husband. husband. So Mm -hmm. you, you see the dynamic of, you know, that transition as well. And the very human struggles that you're experiencing as you're trying to find your way and establish yourself for yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's just a beautiful movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly, like, so I believe part of what makes this a beautiful movie is the fact that it was directed by Nora Ephron. And I don't know if you guys know who that is, but she has directed iconic movies like You've Got Mail and Sleeps in Seattle, which are, you know, 90s Mm rom-coms basically. But they have this like something else to it. It's like a comfort almost. Yeah. And real. Yes. Yeah. And I love, I love You've Got Mail. It's Mm -hmm. like, one of my top 10 like favorite movies nice and so anyway and then she also wrote the screenplay for when harry met sally so cute she's got um she's got credentials yes yes and (laughs) receipts so but i think that's like what added the little like comfort like Mm -hmm. the the extra zhuzh that like made this movie beautiful agree um so in the movie i have a little piece of trivia which i found on the imdb page (laughs) And so a little piece of trivia. So in the movie, during the Valentine's Day dinner, um, one of the guests guests asked Julia and Paul if they were spies in the war, right? Because like mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. kind of worked for like the pre-CIA, blah, blah, blah. Right. And both of them deny this. At the time, the modern half of the film was set and Child's wartime files had not been declassified oh by the time the film itself was made in 2009 their records had been made public (laughs) and it was revealed that julia had served as a top secret researcher for the oss the filmmakers elected to go only with the facts that were established knowledge in 2002 but the spy conversation was thrown in as a slide nod toward the later revelation that's amazing i love that yeah So so sneaky I know. I just thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so um, after I watched this for the first time, well, I think it was like I rediscovered it in mm-hmm. lockdown. You know, mm-hmm. I was like watching a bunch mm-hmm. of things and, you know, I was working at the hospital and I was like not feeling great yes. about that. And so I started an Instagram account that you can still look up right now. It's called Mental Big Down. <laughs> Because that's what we were all going through. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And my goal at the time was to, you know, do like cook through the entire cookbook, right? Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. I thought that that was a reasonable expectation working 12 hour shifts, three to four days a week. And it was not. So it turns out. And like, and like, yeah, it was not great. So I made a few recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you which ones I made. <laughs> I let's see. So I made tomatoes a la 
provencal basically like tomatoes with breadcrumbs on top gorge it was very good and i made her scalloped potato recipe mm. also good love potatoes i made the asparagus recipe love asparagus and let's see i also made a quiche Ooh, <laughs> a spinach and cheese quiche and then i also made let's see canapé which is spinach cheese butter more breadcrumbs on like <laughs> toast and then i love how see. like butter heavy everything is oh girl <laughs> butter um, bread butter and then i tried to make a chocolate souffle which it was okay i <laughs> i kind of failed it didn't have cheese didn't have spinach so <laughs> What's that it was it it deflated rather quickly oh no um, but it tasted okay and mm. i made homemade whipped cream beautiful so that was fun mm. and then and then i stopped after that <laughs> and then i just derailed <laughs> yeah so anyway uh, at least you tried I tried. I tried. It's more than I've done. Um, there's also a random picture of some Rice Krispie treats that I was proud of that I made. And <laughs> nothing also, to do with the cookbook. <laughs> and also um, banana bread, I think. Oh, Tyler loves banana bread. Yeah. A long time since I made that. Mm. So anyway, that I might pick that up maybe one day, but today is not that day. Definitely um, not. <laughs> my so, next yeah. mental breakdown. It was also my like attempt at like trying to love cooking because I freaking hate cooking me too that's why we have air fryers blair that's right that's what i'm saying <laughs> that's why we have air fryers. like i i know this about myself like i'm just yeah. not like i like to bake during the holidays but other than that i am not like i can't i hate making dinner every night so i me like too. meal prep all the time because i yeah. can't it drives me crazy it's awful so um yeah I, it's it's not for me it's not for me but it could be for you so <laughs> anyway uh let's see so we covered that and so I just wanted to say a little bit about why I think Julia Child is like the perfect end to our women's history month series so and sad. I so and we've kind of already touched on this like a teensy bit but yeah. like she was first of all she is six foot two <laughs> she she lives <laughs> In she lived in a time period or was like starting to live her life in a time period of like the 1950s and 60s, which is not mm -hmm. the most inclusive for mm -hmm. women. She had an incredibly like, um, like different life. Like she didn't right. follow the train that right. everybody else did. And I think she got married like pretty late in life. Mm -hmm. And she was older when she went to go to mm -hmm. the Cordon Bleu and did all of these major life changes. Like she was not 20, yep. you know? And so I think that teaches us two things. One, you can do whatever you want, regardless of what age you are, which yes. I think is important, especially for women, because I feel like they like society likes to put us in little mm -hmm. boxes, you know, like, okay, mm -hmm. so you go to college and then after college you get married and then after you get married you wait like a year maybe like less than a year and you have a child and then you mm -hmm. have a second child and then your life becomes as a mom and you're just and like, after that it's, it's like all like planned out for you right right exactly. and so I feel like it's important to realize that it doesn't have to be that planned out like do Agree. what you want to do when you want to do it it doesn't matter right agree 
there are no rules. It's all made up. Okay. <laughs> the points don't matter. <laughs> the points don't matter. Uh, whose line um, is it anyway is great. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, and in addition to that, like she went to a predominantly, like she was in the, the male, like the professional cooking class and she was mm-hmm. the only woman and the lady who ran the school was probably not her best friend. <laughs> probably not. Um, she had to take the final exam twice. It took her nine years to get her cookbook published. So like she kept going and I think that's important too. Like it's always a good lesson. It's always good to be reminded that like, even if it doesn't come easy, it's always good to keep persevering and Mm -hmm. like do what, do your best, like live your dreams. Like, yeah. Corny motivational poster inserted here. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, failure is learning. That's what like right. you're not failing. You're just learning something new to apply at your next try. Like it's just it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And most importantly, she uh, let Americans know the importance of butter, which I think is really <laughs> like it makes everything taste better. It's probably not that great for your arteries, but like it's fine. It's, good. it's OK. It's OK. It's OK. Yeah. Butter it's okay is in great. moderation. Butter is good. Love butter. Yeah. And yeah. cooking for yourself is good, even though I don't like it. I really don't. I'm trying a similar train. I have tried. The air fryer makes it a little bit better. But something about like getting off of work and then having another task just makes me want to like pull my hair out. I know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Julia's great. I, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my spiel. What do you do you have anything else to add? Do you what do you think? No, I think that was lovely. I love that this is how we ended as well. I think she's a great one to end on for all of those reasons and more. And for the listener, if you haven't seen Julie and Julia, highly recommend the movie. Definitely. Um, even if you're not into cooking, it's not just it's not about cooking, honestly. It's it's, it's it has, not. It has little to do with just cooking and the overall theme is there. Highly recommend a watch. Yeah, um, but that's all I wanted to add. Other than that, uh, I guess that's it. <laughs> Great. So, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, come back next week for something not related to Women's History Month. Yes. And we'll surprise you with some fun yeah. topics. And if you have topics or questions that you'd like to send our way, you can always do that at our email, which is mediocrecontentpodcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with us over on Twitter at Mediocre Squawks or Instagram at Mediocre Content Podcast. And I guess we'll see you in April. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>